This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Liverpool with a masterclass against Leicester City. Jose Mourinho does what Jose Mourinho does best and takes advantage of Pep Guardiola and Man City. Slatan Ibrahimovic with an amazing brace. Madness in MLS. Atletico Madrid beat Barcelona and much, much more. I got Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for your weekend recap. Stay right here because Que Golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome Que Golazo Pod. I have my American sandwich, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce to break it all down. So much action this weekend. Jimmy, how are we doing, bud? Dude, I'm losing my mind. There's so many great games and so many great narratives to talk about in leagues all around the world. So I don't know where you want to get started, but I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk a lot, a lot. And we have Heath Pierce. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I thought Jimmy was going to say, I'm losing my bets. So we'll find out. <laughs> well, come on. Come on. When I'm losing my bets, going, but... I, I don't bring it up when I'm losing my bets. Okay, yes, that's fair. I was that's close. Fair. I was close. Okay. I'm doing good, though. I'm doing good. Good, good, good. Listen, whenever Jimmy loses his bets, he just goes, I'm good, Luis. Let's move on. <laughs> 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 All right, here we go, everybody. We begin with the Premier League, of course, and the game that we all just saw as we speak. Liverpool. In my opinion, the best performance from Liverpool I've seen all season. They dismantle Leicester City 3-0, go top of the table. A tremendous performance without Virgil van Dijk, without Jordan Henderson, without Salah. Just a really, really good show. Jimmy, let's break it from you. How did you see that one? What did you think? You know, in some ways, this was a masterclass, I think, from Jurgen Klopp. I don't know if he's underrated as a manager, but these are one of those performances where you can tell he gets the most out of every single player that plays on his team. They were all motivated and ready to go. And not only that, the players you mentioned, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't playing as well. Obviously, a, a very influential young player, not only for Liverpool, for the world and for England national team. Uh, Firmino hadn't scored for forever, but he finally got you know his goal after such a long drought. Diego Jota for me, is going to be the transfer of the season. There's just no denying this guy's ability and how he fits into the Liverpool squad. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of positives. And they really neutralized a very good Leicester team who were top of the table headed into this one. And Jamie Vardy, you know, yes, he's sniffing around and everything. But with Fabinho and Joel Matip holding it down, you got Vinaldum kind of sitting in front of the back four. You got James Milner playing right back. I mean, these guys just figured out. They know their roles. I think they know the system so intimately. They can really fit into any other spot and, and play well and know what's expected out of them. Heath, who'd have thought? I had all those uh, key players missing, and it took that to see the best Liverpool yet. What, what did you see? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Jimmy Moore on this one. I think this was a real test, right? The conversation around Liverpool has shifted from being super good to injuries, right? And everybody's talking about how are the injuries going to impact them, both short and long term. And this was, as Jimmy said, a masterclass in the way that they came out and the way that the team approached this game, the way the players stepped up. Obviously, Diego Jota, again, this is a guy that not only is stepping in during these injury moments, but as we've talked about before, he's putting a lot of pressure on a lot of these players, right? He, 
where do you where do you take him out when you have a full roster? Where where do you move him? He is arriving to the challenge in a lot of ways in the way that um, Jamie Vardy has for, for Lester, where he's just that energy that he has, the way he bring what he brings to the game, I think is something that's very different and he's in peak form right now. So again, this is when they get challenged. The conversations about injuries, but they, they stepped up and showed that uh, injuries aside, they, they're still, they're still the top team in the premier league. Yeah. Just to correct myself, Tottenham remain top of the table uh, on goal difference. So it's joint on points with the North London side. So it's uh, Tottenham and Liverpool both join on points, but Tottenham lead the table uh, with a better goal difference. Having said that, uh, as both Jimmy and Heath mentioned, a really, really good performance that began with a Johnny Evans own goal. Pretty good header from Johnny Evans, actually. He should be amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy and I won't bite on that because he's a defender, you know, poor guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're winking that that was a pretty, pretty good contact on that header it was it was pretty good and then uh the half ended uh with two nothing as Diego Jota as both of you mentioned uh playing well I I honestly there were shades in that game where I was just I'm watching a 25 year old Messi just the way that he changes his body is able to bring players in uh, a tremendous finish uh two nothing and then as you mentioned of course Firmino finally gets that goal three nothing uh Jimmy I thought Curtis Jones was great he was fantastic. So for all the talk about all these key players and the star signings, it's the academy right now that's really living up. Uh, obviously, Nat Phillips earlier when he had to take over Virgil van Dijk. Today, I see Curtis Jones, who actually, as Arlo White reminded us, was the youngest Liverpool captain when he played in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury. It's just a really good performance from him. Yeah, I think he slotted in quite well. I think what Jurgen Klopp does to great effect is that he keeps – expectations reasonable if that makes any sense i want you to go out and do these three things and if you do these three three things very well for the team you're going to end up having a standout performance you're going to end up helping the team in a lot of different ways in a lot of nuanced ways i would say and i think there's a real fine line between the great teams and the good ones and i think it was showed today by liverpool in particular where leicester maybe doesn't have that that clinical finish or or you know, even if they don't have an impact on the game, like let's say Madison or Tielemans for, for whatever reason, we'll use them as an example for, for Leicester. Sadio Mane doesn't get on the score sheet, right? But his influence is so impactful for the team. That's where Madison and I think Tielemans from Leicester have to get to. Can they still impact the game in a positive way? And I think with the way that Jurgen Klopp manages, he really keeps it. I don't know. I, I, I liken it to excuse me, like Bruce Serena with our national team and, and Heath can speak to this. I always felt like he, he kept what I needed to do very simple. And I feel like Jurgen Klopp does the same. Once you understand the system within how you, you know, how you have to move, but, but I don't know, I can't say enough about Jones and just the whole team in general, everybody was up for it. Everybody knew exactly what their job was. And then they went out and executed. And I think Liverpool are probably one of the best clubs in the world, if not the best at executing and taking their chances and really just piling on. I mean, once it was, I mean, they really, it wasn't just, they, they squeaked by a good Leicester team. They dominated these guys. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, Heath, I was going to mention to Jimmy's point at the end there, uh, Leicester, I mean, they made Leicester look really average, really, really average. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I felt like when I was watching this game, like Brendan Rodgers got his team to really sit back a lot. I feel like that's sometimes a, a bit of, I feel like the gamble in itself when you play Liverpool is to gamble. You just got to press. You just got to be physical. And I felt like they sat back too much and they welcomed. If it wasn't for Casper Schmeichel, by the way, this could have been like five, nothing, I think. What did yeah. you think? Yeah, let's not forget that Jamie Vardy's goal record against the top six is outrageous, right? This is the day that you, you think that it, this is his favorite day 
every time he gets to play a top six is, is to step out and score goals against them. And so to neutralize that and, and, and the way that they approach that, another one that, that, that was surprising to me that came on, Nico Williams, uh, another young player that is stepping into a difficult situation, right? Coming on for Nabi Keita and, and, and doing well. I mean, again, that you talk about the academy and young players coming through 19 years old and, and having to step into this type of scenario. And I think that's a good sign, right? You're, you're going deep in, you're pre-January, right? And you're going deep into your roster. You're testing that roster. You're getting them games. And that's only going to pay off as they get repped into more cup games and more matches, more league matches. And it really makes you more confident, at least as a coach. I'm not a coach. I mean, I coach young kids, but, so I can't say it, it, uh, it, it translates. But, you know, it just gives you that confidence that you can go deeper and deeper and trust in your squad. They know exactly what to do when called upon, even if those call-ups those call are rare. Yeah, you're a coach, my friend. Look at MLS Coach of the Year, Jim Kern. Look where he began. You're yeah. a coach. Kids, yeah. adults, we're all coaches, right? We got to say that, obviously. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Tottenham beat Manchester City 2-0. Honestly, a class, a class example of a Jose Mourinho-style kind of victory, I thought, uh, with uh, Huming Son winning, uh, scoring very early on in this one, making one nothing. That really hit Man City early. It kind of disrupted their plans. And it wasn't until Giovanni Lochelso made it 2 nothing in the 65th minute. Jimmy, 2 nothing Tottenham against Manchester City. I, I honestly thought this was quintessential Mourinho. Kind of like, you know, bring whatever you have and we'll hit you right back. How, how did you see this game? Are you, are you suggesting that his two shots on goal that turned into two goals uh, is a masterclass can, can we get Luis to do that accent one more time? Do it one more time. Give us that quote one more time. Pep, you come here with the goals and we'll... Oh, no, that's very Dutch. <laughs> I just made Mourinho really Dutch. Sounds like a Dutch godfather. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'll say about Mourinho is he's good at his players understanding their formation and their style. And obviously Manchester City are going to have the, the, the bulk of the possession. They had 67% of it throughout the game. But it comes down to who's more clinical in the 18-yard box, who's more clinical in the attacking third. And, and, you know, fair play to Spurs for making it really difficult for City to get really any clear-cut chances. Now, in fairness to City, they didn't have their normal guys. Sterling is still out. He didn't start. Aguero didn't start. Jesus, obviously, a very talented player, too. But he's not those other two guys. And I think that would have changed things a little bit. But, but yeah, fair play to Tottenham. I don't want to take anything away from them or their performance. I thought they were bought in from minute one. There was no drop-off in, in intensity and determination as to what they were going to do and what they were trying to achieve. And like we said before in the preview, they needed to win this game. If they really wanted to be considered as serious title contenders, they had to win this game. Now, obviously, we could say the same for Manchester City. But for Spurs, you know, City, we always feel like they're going to hang around. And I, and I still feel like their end goal, or at least for Pep, is to win the Champions League. That's the one thing that City haven't accomplished just yet. So, so I think that is still like the, the overarching goal for them. And they're still in the running for that, of course. But for Spurs, if they really want to make a run at the league, they had to win this game. I thought this was a statement performance. And, and if they can re remain injury-free, they've got a good shot at it. And that might sound crazy because we have so many games. And I kind of wanted to start this whole show, Luis, with, by saying these next three weeks for the top clubs in the leagues all over Europe, are going to really determine what happens because especially for the English clubs, because they have that crazy schedule during a boxing day at the beginning of the year, if they can somehow survive this battle of attrition, then we'll see who ends up being, you know, the one on top, but it's really going to come down to who can stay healthy. 
Yeah, well, Heath, to Jimmy's point, and this is what we talked about, uh, Jimmy and I talked about earlier in the week, Tottenham, aside from the fact that they needed to win this to make sure that Mourinho proved finally, like, listen, I got the squad and I'm ready to take Tottenham to a higher level. After this, after that game, not including Europa, you know, they travel to Chelsea, they host Arsenal. You know, there's a Palace game in between, but then Liverpool comes to town, Leicester City. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough schedule. They have to get these wins and a win against Manchester City is a good sign of saying, you know, we're moving on up. How did, how did you see it? Yeah, I agree. Look, we talked about a month ago, we talked about the, the attack was running amok, right? How do you control that? How do you play Mourinho ball if you've got so many players that are going to attack all the time? How are you going to make those adjustments? I mean, obviously against the City, you score early, you bunker in. It's quintessential Mourinho. It's exactly how you want it to play out, especially against the City squad that isn't scoring a ton of goals. They're struggling to score goals. As, as Jimmy mentioned, they're missing a couple of their key players. But again, you look at the Liverpool side, they're finding ways to score those goals. On the flip side, City, who you expect to have the most depth in every position, do have the depth. They just, they're just not finding goals. You know, Gabriel Jesus has to be able to rise to that occasion. But again, giving up that early goal, if you're Marine and you're like, boom, checkmate right from the beginning, we're going to bunker in and make you have to beat us some more difficult, a moment of brilliance. City has those world-class players capable of creating a moment of brilliance. But you look at that schedule now and you start to think we're starting to see something different here. It, obviously they can't, they can't counterattack and score and win every single game, right? There are pieces to that. But when you look at the lethal attack that they have on, on most days, and then you look at the commitment that they're starting to buy into it, this is how we're going to defend. It doesn't need to be pretty. We don't need to be a beautiful, uh, like, build-out team every single time we play. There's something happening there. There's a little bit of a special sauce that I think that they're getting, they're buying into Mourinho, and they have the quality players that you st you've seen in Mourinho's past where you start to see something special happening, and now you can start to consider them a title contender. And once Gareth Bell gets really going, then it will be another weapon to add. And as we it's, look at the table, by the way... That's such a big if, though. I mean, I just... It, he, it's a big if, but if it happens, it's good. That's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and also, by the way, he, it, it's the kind of if that only really needs to happen in certain moments. Like, if, if they can alleviate some of the pressure when they play against, you know, uh, with all due respect, not necessarily a tough opposition, then it becomes easier. This is something Mauricio Pochettino didn't have. He didn't have depth, Right. Mourinho has it now. So, and in a way, you know, he's, he's proving what he wants to do. Tottenham number one, Liverpool second uh, on goal difference. Chelsea after that, after getting a good win against Newcastle. Leicester City, of course, losing to Liverpool. Southampton still with a game in hand in fifth spot. Everton win 3-2 away at uh, Fulham. And it's looking like it's shaping up. When we come back, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, on the break, I got a lot of heat from the fellas uh, for not talking. Because the thing is, if we talk about every single game, we'll be here for three hours. But I have given them the opportunity to just one more thought of the weekend from the Premier League from each one. They will give a thought. There will be no comment added afterwards. <laughs> and then we will Rules. move on to Atletico Madrid. It's like I'm the school teacher here. Okay, right. uh, Jimmy, let's begin with you. He always gets to go first. I do. I'm older. That's why. You got to respect your elders. Now, listen, I know that, that Heath said during the break that he wanted to touch upon Timo Werner and Chelsea, and I know Newcastle's my team. I'm going to stay away from that so I don't get too emotional. I want to talk about Leeds versus Arsenal. It's funny because Arsenal finally put out a lineup that I think everybody on Twitter really wanted. They wanted Lacazette in the number nine. Excuse me. They wanted Aubameyang as the number nine. Lacazette on the bench. They wanted to uh, start all their youngsters. Uh, you know, but there was no Partey. There was no El Nenny in the middle of midfield. Jacques and Ceballos started. 
and they got lucky with the post. Vern Leno played really well. 0-0. I thought Leeds probably deserved the victory in that one. Arsenal's a bit of a shambles, and I just wanted to throw that out there for other Arsenal fans because it just they went from going like, I think our team's pretty good. We're like one or two players away from going Arteta out, you know? And so uh, it's it's interesting times to be an Arsenal fan, and and uh, I just want to give another shout-out to, to Bielsa and, and Leeds because I thought they played really well in stretches there, and I thought they really – kind of just took it to Arsenal. It's just they were unfortunate not to get it. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, they hit the post twice. They really should have gone those three points. All right, let's move on to Heath's point. Heath, what do you have to say? Uh, I'm glad Jimmy went down that route so I don't have to comment at all on that shambolic uh, performance. <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Timo Werner. Timo Werner was the darling Holland. When ho- before Holland, there was, there was Timo Werner. He was the, the hope of the future of strikers. And you're starting to see that more. His power, his speed. He's, he's got so many tools that I think he's not getting credit for. Just wanted to give him a shout out. An incredible performance uh, over the weekend. Absolutely. That, I mean, Tammy Abraham's goal was because that beautiful run from, from Werner. Totally. I, I really... Uh, sort of give him a similarity to Gianfranco Zola a little bit, like back in the day, Zola, I mean, we have to see a little bit more from him, but yeah, I'm with you. Good points from both of you. All right. Uh, he broke his own rules. He commented on, he commented <laughs> on it. Well, you know who's the host, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Atletico Madrid, Barcelona. Diego Simeone does it. He gets those three points against Barca. It was quite a game. Definitely the goal we will speak we'll speak about, but overall, you know, and obviously PK's injury is something to discuss, but overall, the biggest uh, factor here is the fact that finally Atletico Madrid gets three points against Barcelona, and it's a massive, no matter the time of the year, uh, Heath, it's a massive, massive victory in terms of the title run. Uh, one nothing to Atleti Madrid against Barca. How did you see this one? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic performance from Atletico. You know, we, we, we saw early on, they were, they were, I wouldn't say they were stuttering early in the season, but it looked like a little bit of a slow start going into the first matches, you know, repping Suarez in, into, the, into the team. Uh, it was unfortunate not to see him. He would have been one. I, we, I, I was r- running through my head of like, okay, he ha- does he have enough hatred to celebrate if he scores? <laughs> or does he have enough respect that even if he was healthy, he doesn't play? I'm really trying to, I was trying to put myself into Suarez's position. I was like, it's probably best that, that he's not in this one. But, but yeah, Atletico are legitimate title contenders in this year. And, and we're seeing this across a lot of the leagues. It's, 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 everything is open right now. Nobody is running away in any, in any league. And that puts them into contention. And in a win against, against uh, Barcelona, a Barcelona who, who regardless of the situation they're in and the status and the messy comments last week coming back from international break, it's still a very, very difficult result. And people expected Barcelona, this is Barcelona rise to these challenges. And this is a, this is the week that, you know, Barcelona turn around their season and sure enough, you know, are flattened by, by Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Well, Barcelona, Jimmy are in 12th right now uh, with 11 points and Atleti, even though they're second to Real Sociedad with 20 points, only three points behind Real Sociedad. They have two games in hand. Uh, I know you want to talk about this Atleti fan. Uh, Carrasco getting the goal and stoppage time in the first half. What was Ter Stegen doing? That's what I want to talk about. Unbelievable. How did you see this game? Let's get your thoughts, Jimmy. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit 
against his own personality, I think, Ter Stegen. I think he was trying to be the hero in that situation. Carrasco, a uh, nice little nifty meg between his legs. And yeah, that was it beauty. 30. Oh, it, was a, it was a great goal from, from Atleti's perspective. And I'm very happy for Diego Simeone and his men. Uh, afterwards, you could see how proud they were to finally get this result, how excited they were. They were all tweeting out the same photo of them celebrating in the locker room. So you can tell how much it means to them. And Simeone talked about after the game, like the unity that this group in particular has, maybe over some of their teams of, of the last few seasons. So, you know, it's a good time, good time to be an Atleti supporter. So I'm excited about that. However, speaking about Barcelona, I know very similar to Arsenal fans who I talked about earlier, earlier, are going to be a little bit doom and gloom because they're just not on top. They're not, you know, there wasn't a lot of urgency in this one. So I would be a little bit concerned from that perspective. However, for me, they created more than enough chances to get a goal in this one. Langley had two headers that he should have put on frame. I know Jan Oblak's a big guy and quite intimidating, but he put it two headers right at him. And one of them definitely should have been a goal. Messi found himself in a couple of good spots. Griezmann had a, you know, a couple of half chances that on another day, maybe he buries, maybe not because Griezmann's kind of in another world right now. So I don't, I don't really know what to, to, to make of this Barcelona team. And, and Messi obviously seems disinterested. He's, he's pissed about people asking him the same questions over and over. He's pissed about being, you know, the reason why they're not doing well. So, so I don't think that's going to end well in general. But with regard to this game, now with PK hurt, the Sergi Roberto is going to be out. I think Serginho Des is going to come in and prove to be vital. Who are they going to put at that center back spot? Umtiti's out as well. So I think it might be De Jong. They put him there before. He slotted in. He does okay, but I mean, he's not like this tactical defensive genius, but he will be able to hold the ball and maintain possession, which they usually have against most teams anyway. I worry about this team because like, like I mentioned before, they, they have their league games that are coming up. And, and the next two opponents, I think, are Alaves and Cadiz. So they should beat them on paper. But it's that next, all those Champions League games in the middle of the week for three straight weeks. So you have six games in three weeks. It's crazy. And, that, and they're not the only ones. Everybody's going to be suffering, but it's usually the top clubs. I, I don't know what, what we're going to see, what, what Barcelona we're going to see by the end of that. Uh, it could really determine whether they're going to even finish in the top four, frankly, because it just they just seem a little bit out of it and they're going to have to makeshift their team. Now, as we said with Jurgen Klopp multiple times, he's figured it out with Liverpool. So they're a great model, but if you don't have the depth to step up and make that happen and not everybody on the same page, it could be a, it could be a tough couple of months here for Barcelona. And let's not forget, by the way, that Ansu Fati is also injured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you're saying, Sergio Roberto out for two months, uh, PK with a, a crucial ligament uh, to his knee so you know his absence will be definitely a long one I would actually suggest probably maybe Busquets this time now to be at the back and maybe just you know try and control that back four but you know the stats and the table doesn't lie everybody Barcelona is in 12th right now as we speak they have two games in hand and obviously still a long way to go but when you look at the top of the table which is uh, Real Sociedad with 23 points and Atleti with 20 that's quite a gap for Barcelona Right. And, and as you mentioned, it's only going to get tougher. Something he that worried me about this game a little bit. It's not so much that I mean, and yes, of course, you could sense that Messi's frustrated, et cetera. But, you know, it, it's beginning to show. Right. His age is beginning to show, I feel it, definitely this year, regardless of the of the mental part of it. He's beginning to show his age a little bit. And that that is worrisome. Yeah, they've, you know, anytime he's ever been on the field, it feels like Barcelona's going downhill, right? Like they're actually, they're leaning on teams. Everything's going right. But you add that to the complications within the team. You add that to, as Jimmy was going, talking about, they don't have a pipeline of players coming in that are Barcelona players, right? If you think back to La Masia, what always kept them safe was that, 
you're out 17, 18, 19 year old, 20 year old was in who could literally be the same as you, just younger, understands the system, understands what it means. And I know this is a bad comparison, but the situation right now with Messi and, and Barcelona reminds me of the post Sir Alec Ferguson era at, at Man United. And if you look at when he left, how long it's taken for them to find a new identity. And we're starting to see Barcelona. La Masia is not what it was. Players are leaving there, going to other clubs for their, for their development. It doesn't have that same sort of stature. Messi, who's been the face of this club forever, is probably coming to the end there. They are in this sort of crisis. And I know there's always a crisis in Spain, whether it's Real Madrid or Barcelona. But there's a new identity that's going to have to happen, right? And it's not coming through the philosophy, the philosophical system. They are buying players. There's a wide range of styles of play that you saw back in. I don't remember what the name of that documentary is on, on, on Netflix, but it was very much about when you come in here, you have to fit the bill. And now I'm not seeing that. There's a ton of world-class players. There will always be world-class players at Barcelona, but I think they're going into this crisis phase of like, who are we going to be? What are we going to be when we grow up? And that grow, grow up period is post Messi. And you're starting to see that in his energy and then the, and, and then the team's energy. Because without him being positive, doesn't matter what you do. If he's on the field, your team will win or lose based on him. Yeah. And as we know, we don't even know if Messi will be around for next year as well. By the way, we have to finish with Atletico Madrid because this is a win for them a historic win for them, for Diego Simeone. I thought as well, Angel Correa deserves a lot of credit here because he stood up and he's now become one of the most creative players, not just for Atleti, but in La Liga in general. And I was reading a few comments after the game on Twitter, guys. And Jimmy, I'll bring it finally to you, just the Atleti fan, and was, listen, one of the issues, one of the issues we've always had with Diego Simeone is like, he's never really like sort of been flexible, right? He's always just stuck to his guns in terms of his strategy. He's always had, kind of had this plan A, this sort of like high press, physical, direct, almost like we're going to really focus on that number nine. And if we don't have it, we're just going to try and figure it out by really out muscling the opponent. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's because of the intensity. And he stuck with it and he stuck with it. And it, it's finally kind of going back circle and sort of paying off. And I remember me and you had a conversation saying, is it time for Cholo to go? And we obviously it's November, nothing has happened yet, but I'm wondering if finally his players, his team are finally realizing that, yeah, let's just stick with this system and, and see what happens. I think for me, there's been a nice blend because before it felt like when Griezmann was just on the team, a lot of things were really circled and in, in, uh, surrounding him, right? He would really drive the attack. And then you'd have those hard workers that you're mentioning really just with energy and enthusiasm and, and the desire to make a play would help fill in the gaps. Now I feel like with Correa, who you mentioned, and you have Joao Felix, who obviously is a very special player. I like that they're closer together on the field. And I think that's made a big difference. Before they'd have Joao Felix up top, Correa would be out wide, kind of where Carrasco is. I want him to be a little bit more centrally located as well. And I think because they're trying to find those combinations, it's, it's unlocked some things for them. I think that's where you were trying to go with it. And so there's a nice blend at the moment of having this youthful exuberance and creativity along with that's still that hallmark of a Diego Simeone team, which is industry, hard work, tackling, make it hard. And I saw this quote, and this was on, uh, I think, uh, Marca.com, where they said that, that this Barcelona team, that, or I guess the elected players were surprised at how like listless this, this, this Barcelona team was. There's like no fight, there's no spine to them. Now that, that site in particular does get, kind of get into the gossip, but I feel like when there's smoke, there's fire and, and there's something to it. And you can see it, right? Just due to body language alone. 
And Atleti just wanted this game more. And if they can maintain that, and they're going to have some lulls, but, but if they can like kind of manage those lulls and still try to grind out results, which is what they're great at, 1-0 wins are what Diego Simeone is known for, then yes, I think they could be near the top of the table or at top of the table by the end of the season. And Real Madrid isn't doing as well either. You know, they're, they're just scraping by to get results. You know, they got a 1-1 with Villarreal this weekend as well, which I thought was all fair after all 90 minutes, but, but uh, they're dealing with some injuries as well. And, and that team is going to have to evolve. Like we talk about PK, right? Him moving on or, or like him being hurt and who's going to be the replacement and what does that look like? Well, Sergio Ramos is a guy and a couple of players for Real Madrid who are on the cusp of kind of walking into that situation as well. Interesting time in La Liga. Yeah, absolutely. But Atleti, eight games only and only three points behind top of the table. When we come back, we will hit the rest of Europe as well as some interesting things that happened in MLS. Just, just, just very interesting. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. We're just hitting uh, a little bit more of Europe and then some MLS. And we just wanted to touch on Borussia Dortmund uh, and Erling Haaland uh, being amazing once again, uh, scoring a few goals. And by the way, when he came off, his replacement was none other than uh, Yusufa Mukoko, who is 16 years old and his debut made it the youngest player in the Bundesliga Uh and with that, because Bayern Munich tied against Werder Bremen, apparently George Sargent was very good. Uh, that means that there's a point differential here in the Bundesliga race. Uh, Jimmy, thoughts on, on, on the race in, in Germany? Yeah, it's exciting. I, I, I can sit here and say, I, I, uh, I hope Dortmund can continue. Can, can continue, but I just don't see it happening. Bayern Munich always figures out a way to win the Bundesliga title by the end of the season. Dortmund's usually pretty good the first half, and then when they come out of that winter break, they seem to fizzle. So I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on how I think the rest of the league's going to go, even though I think we all know how it's going to end up. That's probably the most predictable league, maybe outside of Liga, though PSG did get upset to, by Monaco this week after being up 2-0, 3-2. They ended up losing. Uh, Fabregas decided to have a barn burner and show himself and have a good performance. But yes, Erling Holland. I'll just talk about that, dude. Four goals, uh, next level against Herzer Berlin. I love the way, if you guys are just soccer geeks and nerds for, for like nuance of the game, the way he runs off the back shoulder of, of center backs, the timing of his runs, the power and purpose of his runs. He knows exactly what he wants to do when he gets the ball. He is the complete player. I don't know how much longer Borussia Dortmund can hold on to him or how much money he's going to cost the team once they finally decide they want to buy him. But he is very special, and and uh, we're just at the we're at the ground floor of Erling Holland, and and that makes me very excited for the next ten years for that guy. 
Yeah, Heath, what do you think about the Bundesliga race? As you mentioned, Haaland, four goals. Uh, apparently, Julian Favre like, got it wrong. He thought he scored three, and Haaland got mad at him, saying, you missed one, man. I scored four. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, the Bundesliga is crazy right now, and I think people are also sleeping on Leverkusen who are, who are creeping up as well. Uh, RIP to Florian Wirtz, who had a bunch of these records for being a young 17-year-old, but now there's a 16-year-old in the league who's going to start taking all of the records away from him, so... Uh, poor guy, his his records were short-lived. At least give him a season. But well, Holland, same thing as Jimmy. I, the power of his movements on the shoulder and all those things are already world-class. The thing that I really like is that even when he's at full speed and running full power, if you put it anywhere on his body, whether it's behind him, in front of him, there's a good chance his first touch is going to lead him in front. He's going to keep the ball. He's going to drive it forward. And those are all things that you so rarely see in, in a striker at the best of their, at the, you know, the highest point of their career is to be able to have that type of power and speed and first touch that goes with it um, in tight, in tight scenarios and, and, and moments of, of difficulty. And I agree with Jimmy that I think, I think Bayern Munich's going to run away with it. If you looked at the first 30 minutes uh, against Hertha Berlin, Hertha had all the chances. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, uh, Dortmund decided to turn it on and, my point is, is, if you miss Holland for, for two or three games, that's probably where you lose your season um, against somebody. And, and, and Bayern always find a way. So uh, while the hope is there, I also saw the one other thing that I wanted to say is I saw Mukoko in a photo hugging Holland in the way that only Gio Reyna does. And it hurt me because uh, that is our guy. Uh, we've adopted we've adopted Holland into the U.S. because of his relationship with Reina, Reina and so I don't want to see that uh, fall apart. So I'm I'm a little bit jealous uh, for all of us and a little sad. But yeah, it's, a, it's a, like that classic meme now where like uh, the guy is Holland and then yeah. the new the girl that he's looking at is Mukoko yeah. and Reina yeah. is like, what is going on? Nah, Reina's still his boy. I'm sure. Well, listen, I'm make that by the way. I'm gonna go make that now. After <laughs> I'm gonna make that meme for it because it's gonna bring it to life. Sorry to you interrupt. You should, and we'll share it. It'll be amazing. <laughs> From Holland to the OG Haaland, Slatan Ibrahimovic, who scored a brace today, his opening goal, a ridiculous header, and AC Milan win 3-1 today against Napoli. And with that game, with that win, means that Milan stay top 20 points, a swallow with 18, a great game. Uh, Bakayoko got a red card uh, sort of almost after Dries Merton scored, but that didn't stop Milan of scoring a third uh, in stoppage time, but Slatan, a brace, 39 years old, guys. Incredible, Jimmy. Just one more night where you see some ridiculous Slatan. I'm actually watching the highlights of this game. I mean, it's nice to see a former MLS player continue to score uh, in Serie A. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of any MLS player that goes. We're a selling league. league. We're a selling We're league. A selling so, league you know, you move, you move them nice. on. Uh... It, it's nice to see it. What's crazy is that he's now scored in his eighth straight Serie A game. That is it's next ridiculous. level stat. Uh, he continues to get better with age, as I think we can all attest. He's the fourth player to score in their first six games of a Serie A season. So he's on something different right now. He loves the big games. I had for my my easy money on in the preview podcast, this game was going to be a draw. Napoli had more than enough chances. In the first half, they had 63% possession. They hit the crossbar, um, you know, and obviously they're pushing, they're down a man at the end there. So for the 2-1 to 3-1 is kind of whatever. But they had chances to, to make that a draw. A little unfortunate for them not to show up when when everybody is watching them because we know that Napoli has a lot of talent in their squad. But you know, fair play to Milan. They, they continue to figure out ways to win. You know, we're talking about that kind of as a, 
as a, as a personality trait of a lot of the great teams, right? They figure out ways to win games, maybe even when they don't play well. Zlatan is one of the best X-Factor players of all time. That doesn't matter how bad the rest of your team is playing, you still have a chance when he's in your team. And he proved it again today. Now, I don't want to say anything. Except for Galaxy in the playoffs. That's true, Galaxy in the playoffs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't want to take away from Milan's performance overall. I thought they were very solid from front to back. But uh, when you have somebody like uh, Zlatan, it, it does make a big difference. Absolutely. Tremendous. Inter Milan uh, beat Torino 4-2. Uh, Roma won 3-0. Uh, Juventus won 2-0. Uh, but Milan stayed top of the table. Heath, can Milan win this? Will, will Milan win this? Let me ask it to both of you. Will AC Milan win Serie A? Yeah, I think so. What's exciting to me about Serie A, and my answer is yes, so I'm not skirting around that, <laughs> is, is look at how exciting the golden boot race is going to be. Mertens, Lukaku, um, that guy Cristiano, and, and Zlatan, right? Amazing. They're on top of the table. Zlatan, I think, has 10 goals in the league, but, but Lukaku scored again over the weekend. I think he might have had two even. Um, yeah. Shout out to Andrea Bellotti as well from Torino as well. He's up there as well with six. But yeah, yeah so it's Slatan yeah. with 10, Ronaldo with eight, Lukaku with seven. Um, yeah, no, it's a great race. Yeah, it's, and, and, and those are high quality players, right? Which brings a, a little bit more drama to that league. You have all of these guys on different teams and, and all performing well in the league. So I think uh, Milan definitely have the ability to do it because they're seeing out games, right? If, if ever you're going to go down a man and, and, and play a certain style of play, it's the Italian style of play that will help you to, you know, it's a very Mourinho-esque um, it doesn't matter. We're down. A, we'll just take out an attacker. We're just going to be back here waiting anyway, uh, type of thing. But yeah, I think, I think Milan have all the tools and they're only going to get better. Obviously Zlatan is a key part of that. He's getting better with age, but you never know when that wall, right? Nobody knows Messi over the last three, four years. When is that time? Sergio Ramos, when is that window start to close where it's one injury where it goes, Oh, he's not coming back from that. Or, or it just, all of a sudden they lose that step or whatever. Zlatan, I think, has already lost those steps. He just has brilliance in him that, that he can score till he's mid-40s. But I think that's going to be a key factor, obviously, for Milan as well. Jimmy, will Milan win Serie A? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Juve's got a lot of quality, obviously, and experience. that You can't just throw that out the window, though I think Pirlo maybe – is trying to overcoach, overthink a little bit in his first year as manager. So that could be working against them. And then obviously trying to solve this Cristiano Ronaldo problem. Uh, Inter Milan, you know, they look pretty listless this past weekend for like 70 minutes. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys watch this game, but if you can catch like the last 15 minutes, they scored, they turn it on, they press the crap out of Torino. They're down 2-0 and they score four goals and win 4-2. You're like, what? Why did they just do that from the beginning? They could have just taken off, you know, smoked cigarettes in the second half and been fine. <laughs> uh, but so, so what I do, I will say to, to his point, to kind of back up Milan here is that it's not necessarily Zlatan. I, I, he's going to be the key guy, of course, if they're going to win the title. And you can tell he loves to play for Milan, but they have other players. I think uh, Rafael Liao has been 21 year old. He's very good. I think he's, he's benefiting from, obviously as most of the players are from playing with Zlatan. He's very dangerous. He can, he can chip in. Uh, Franck Kessier is making some, some scoring some big goals from midfield. You got Shahanalu, who's another guy who, who uh, can make a difference, right? And so Brahim Diaz, I think, was a nice, smart signing on loan from Real Madrid. They've got a bunch of different guys. They got Rebic as well. And they got a nice mix. I think we talk about the teams that, are, that do it best. Liverpool, using them as an example of kind of these older, established guys that you can really li rely on on a consistent basis. But then there's some younger players who are going to step up and then probably make a difference uh, throughout a season as well. So they have a nice mix, to his point again. And I wouldn't count them out, but they're going to hit that that – that lull, they're going to hit that that wall 
where they're not going to score goals and things aren't going to go their way. And it's how they fight through that. That's going to make a big difference. I do want to see how they play midweek. They're playing against Lille again. Lille, the only team they've lost to the season three, zero and the Europa league, they play them again now in France midweek. I want to see how they perform because uh, that's, that's a nice way to kind of get revenge against a club that, that took advantage of them. Yeah. I'm going with both of you. I think Milan's taking this. It's, it's, it's going to be that nineties feeling again. Uh, when we come back, we promised you we'll talk about the madness that was MLS. Uh, they're still going on with the first round, but we want to talk about one specific game. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. To finish off, listen, uh, we weren't going to give you a full roundup of uh, MLS playoffs just because they're still going on. The first round is still going on. We are aiming to give you an episode where we really just cover it, at least um, on the next round uh, perspective. But we have to talk about one specific game. Orlando City hosting NYCFC, two teams that entered the league in the, uh, the same year in 2015, face each other once again. Uh, their narratives have been really sort of mirroring each other for many seasons, or at the very least impacting each other in one way or another. And once again, they met uh, at Orlando. It was one all. Uh, Orlando got a red card, uh, so they had to play the whole entire extra time with 10 men. But NYCFC couldn't break them. It went to penalties. And... <laughs> You know, you're thinking, well, these are two very good goalkeepers. Sean Johnson, we obviously know about his uh, repertoire. And Pedro Galese, you know, call me biased or not, but he is the best uh, goalkeeper in the league. Um, and just <laughs> you, you just thought, well, you know, he's going to do his thing. And what happens? Well, madness ensued, everybody. Pedro Galese uh, steps up. I, I Fill me in, fellas, with any part that I miss, but uh, the penalty is about to be taken. I mean, it's going back and forth, back and forth. Galesa saves the first one, I believe, from Maxi Morales, or at least, oh, no, it hits the crossbar, and it just, you know, yeah, it yeah. doesn't go in. So that gives Orlando City the advantage. All they need is just one more, one more stop, uh, and then Orlando makes it through. I believe it's the last kick. Um, Galesa saves it, but it comes back. It has to be retaken because... No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm getting there. You got to add some layers. I'm getting there. I am getting there. Don't worry. So, Galesa saves it. The crowd goes nuts. By the way, there shouldn't have been a crowd in the first place. That's ridiculous, but we'll talk about that later. Everybody Galesa goes nuts. Galesa goes insane. Oscar Pareja runs into the locker room. Man, this is the manager, by the way, for anybody yeah. who doesn't know. He's losing his mind. Goes he goes insane. He goes insane. And then uh, the ref says, wait a second. No, uh, you came off your line, which is an infraction. Okay, fair enough. But not only did you come off your line, we're going to give you a second booking because you already had a yellow earlier in the game. And uh, he gets sent off. <laughs> Why don't you guys take it from here? What happens after okay. that? I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give a, I'll give a few layers. The, the complexities of this are that apparently you're supposed to give a warning one time before sending off. And then from there, regardless, it happens. They send them off. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, reviews and everybody happening. Everybody's on the field and things are going on. They sub in a goalkeeper. Turns out you can't sub in a goalkeeper in penalties, right? You can't sub a player in penalties. So He's in goal. He's ready to go. Then the ref comes over after subbing him in and tells him he has to go back out. And now 
this is where the madness happens. Nobody knows what's going on. If you listen to the commentary, they're confused. They're contradicting each other uh, on the call. You got the ref that literally wishes he was anywhere but they're like probably in his mind going like, I should have just taken this game off. Thanksgiving's coming. This would have been great. There's no reason to cause this drama. And, and then there's players re refusing to leave. You have players talking to each other, trying to talk the ref out of everything. It's just a, a full commotion. Jimmy, is there anything I'm leaving out of, out of, out of that part so far? Bring it home, Jimmy. No, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. They bring a field player on. And, and Rodrigo Schlegel, their, their right back, comes on, and eventually he comes in goal. He mm -hmm. comes in goal and he clearly looks uncomfortable. He's like, he's like basically you, any of three of us going in there. Cause we don't know how to dive properly. And uh, he doesn't save the first two. And okay, that's fine. But he ends up guessing on their third kick, the ninth kick overall, because Orlando obviously is as cool and calm and bearing their penalties, by the way, all very good penalties for the most part. And he guesses, he stays on the line and kind of shuffles over to his left. I don't know why the New York city FC player didn't, just kind of wait a smidge. You can run a little bit slow. Yeah, because when he really. shuffled, it like you like you could have like you know gone home for Christmas and come back. <laughs> exactly. So long. So he ends up saving it. Now I wanted to say that that prior to all of this Gaiesi stuff. Okay, so once Gaiesi gets thrown out, and I think for me that's just the just just retake the penalty. That's punishment enough. You don't have to throw the guy out. That's we can get into that later. But or if we we might can just leave it because I think we're all pissed off about that. But but Nani, we didn't talk about Nani had a chance to just put it to bed. He had to score that fifth penalty and it would have been over, but Sean Johnson made a hell of a save. And then that's what led to. Tremendous. And I like Nani was asking, by the way, uh, if, if he was off the line after he, after he missed his chance. And you go down to the last shot, they still have to finish one, but they yeah. think they've won it off the save. And so you see everybody that sort of freezes. Crazy, dude. One crazy. person starts to celebrate, then two people win. celebrate, three people celebrate. And once you see three, you feel like you're the stupid one on the field. So everybody goes crazy thinking they've won. Except they haven't scored the one or they, they haven't scored the next one to actually go and win it because it's off off uh, uh, on an odd number of, of penalties. Right. And so even that turns into another another like... It was a complete farce. And to just conclude, everybody, if you didn't amazing. see it, we really you hope that you, because a, a few things. One, bad or not, this is just great publicity for Major League Soccer. This is why MLS, <laughs> chaos, <laughs> root for chaos. <laughs> chaos is madness. But there were so many insane things. For and The only two things that we will just conclude with, and please, guys, feel free to chime in, is one, the reason why uh, this happened, first of all, FIFA actually amended these rules about booking the goalkeeper in these situations because common sense ensues. And it's like, listen, like if you commit an infraction and you come off your line, it's not a yellow card infraction unless you do it again right. after the first. Exactly, one, exactly. Right? But exactly. the issue is that MLS has still, built, has still been working under the 2019-2020 rules. And that's why they said... And that's why they backed uh, the referee, Chapman, instead of that. The only thing that I will say to this, because it was madness, is I feel, guys, that there should be somewhere in the booklet something called a common sense clause. <laughs> where if, if, if at any point the referee feels that, yes, even though I'm working under uh, already, by the way, uh, rules that have run out, I can impose my common sense clause and say it is absolutely absurd of me to send Galese off. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like it's not a booking. It just isn't. Even though that we're working under the old rules, it shouldn't happen. 
right? It's absolutely insane. Insane that it happened. So, okay, okay. Let's let's leave this game out of it then. He still has to sit out the next one, which I think is even a bigger farce. Correct. They, sh they should look to rescind it because he's been arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the league, to your point. And I know you're biased, but I agree with you. He's still one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And but even if he wasn't, it should be rescinded. Exactly. Yes. But he's a vital member to that Orlando team. So for him to sit out and because of the second, which we believe shouldn't be a yellow in the first place, it just, it, that, that burns me up even more. It burns me up even more. The only thing I will say to this is that if you haven't seen it, the penalties highlight package is 22 minutes long. So if, <laughs> if, if you think that we are dramatizing this We're not. or underselling, whatever, go watch it. It is literally 22 minutes long with like all the fat cut out is 22 minutes long. So go and watch it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely insanity. We will not, we will, we will hopefully all three of us meet again at some point this week to really just break down MLS once the first round is over. Uh, but we just wanted to bring that to the point. And the last thing is if NYCFC had taken care of Orlando city when they had 10 men for 30 minutes, there wouldn't be the situation. So I think justice was essentially served, but insanity. 22 minutes, by the way, for just the penalties is crazy. That's a whole uh, Frasier episode right there, like just in, just in penalty mayhem. Made for TV. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Before we go, any final thoughts, Jimmy? No, this is a great weekend. I do encourage everybody to spend those 20 minutes to watching those highlights because you will, you will not regret it. It is, it is next level. How about you, Heath? Uh, go watch the Bayern game. Josh Sargent really, really performed well. It's the best that I've seen him. We are worried about uh, how can we, how can our best number nine never score goals? Um, but you know he's doing well, and and he, you're seeing a lot of the tools that he has to, to contribute. So go watch that. He did great. Well, and I'm happy. I always have the tools that I have on Sunday nights with Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad. Thank you so much, guys. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod, and make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your pods. Guys, the Champions League, Europa, it's back. And so are we with all the content that you need. Make sure that you subscribe and stay tuned because we got all the action, the recaps and the previews coming up this week. Have a great Great, great rest of your evening. Take care.